Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. It is Friday! Yes! Finally! Finally! Already in studio, Mr. Spotlow is here. How are you, sir? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Tonight we're going to have to address a major subject. Ooh, I like those. Obscenity. (laughs) Obscenity. I'm good at that. Yes. And we should be joined by Southern Wood here in a moment. Now, is uh-huh. that double entendre that we're playing with and that piece of wood you're playing with right there, is uh-huh. that obscene? It could be. I suppose. If, I mean, the way you're stroking it right now, you're petting that it, paddle right now. If you're here, it's not. But if you're listening, it no, could be. No, that's nice handiwork. Yeah, it is. It's even sanded. Right. It's, it's beautiful. And yeah. isn't, it's got a finish on it, like a, a lacquer veneer yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, it was bequeathed the Southern Wood when he was added to the Joey Clark Radio R Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And he should be here in just a moment. But I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm going to climb out of my hermit hole. Really? In my usual schedule. No way. And because Eddie Bader invited <gasps> me to Taco Libre. Yes, tacos. I think me and my kid are going to go. Okay, cool. I'll yeah. see you there. Then. Yeah, man. And uh, Eddie invited me, and I'm like, why not? Yeah. Why not? I'll eat some tacos. I'll yeah. enjoy myself downtown at the old train station. Yeah. What is it, a bunch of taco stands? Uh, yeah, food trucks. It's Sweet. essentially a celebration of food trucks, tacos, beer, and music. I so want, I'm looking forward to that. I want like 10 different tacos. Yeah. And then I'm going to feel it Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to have to be careful. I don't want to eat too much, but... Uh, it's, it's going to be a good time, and I really appreciate Eddie Bader mm-hmm. for inviting me to that. And, and speaking of Eddie Bader, he is one of the sponsors of the show, of the Joey Clark Radio Hour, one of my first big sponsors. Gotta love the guy. Good guy. Well, I mean, it's because he's, number one, a fantastic guy. He really is. Down to earth. Um, he knows where he comes from and how he's built his life, and he's not braggadocious about it. He's not over the top, but... He's made a, quite a success out of having this vision of investing in real estate. And when it worked for him, he realized, mm, I can make this work for other people. I know the market so well, and that's what you want. You want somebody who knows the market, who has the first-hand experience on how to buy and sell homes, how to manage properties. If you're looking to, say, buy a place and make it a rental investment, Eddie Bader can do it all in that regard. He's helping a lot of our friends. I know... Uh, 
mom and dad to you. Yeah. The Trey Hands, old a- old lady Hayes, we might call her on air, but mm-hmm. her, her lovely husband, Eric, they're looking for a house. I think Eddie's helping them out, if they don't mind me saying. And I've, you know, kind of asked, how is it that he's great? Yeah. Everything I'm saying here is absolutely true, especially if you're a potential first-time home buyer. He can walk you through a lot of the things you don't think of, like, oh, before you buy that place, we need an inspection. Mm, you might want to negotiate with the homeowner on, hey, you need this repair done, man. Do this renovation, and I'll give you the, what you're asking for in terms of price. And then on the other side, if you're selling a place, we can get those repairs and renovations done before you even put it on the market. That way you can ask for even more, and you can't be negotiated down. All sorts of little tricks of the trade like that. Eddie is wise to also what you want in your home, what you want in your real estate property, like the location and the trends in the market. I like, I love what's going on in downtown Montgomery. I really do. Not only are there great events like Taco Libre, there's also uh, a lot of development happening with money coming in um, from all sorts of places. And there's and, plenty of spaces down there. Yeah, there's a lot of development happening. Uh, it's a great time to buy, a great time to sell. It's a blown and going market. So if you're looking to buy a home or sell a home and you need a good real estate agent who is proactive, he's very attentive. Give him a call, 322-0662, 322-0662. He'll pick up the phone and go, hey, this is Eddie. And if he, if he doesn't, leave him a message. He'll get right back to you. He's always looking to help folks out. So if you're, again, looking to buy or sell your home, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. Again, that number, Seth? 322-0662. And people say I have the porn voice. Oh, man, you have no idea. And speaking of porn, (laughs) we're going to talk about obscenity tonight. I mean, an interesting thing I was just seeing happen today. You know the comedian Sarah Silverman. Yes. Her comedy can be a bit salty. Yeah. She's kind of known for these things. The idea. But she posted a photo on her Instagram. And it was her, I believe, in her boudoir. What is that? Her bedroom. Oh. Or her bathroom. Okay. And you can see all her, like, products. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, makeup and hair and whatever. And uh, through the the reflection in the mirror behind all the products, you could see her tatas. Oh, really? And so Instagram deleted the post and said it's been deleted for obscenity. So she has now been on a tear posting pictures of, let's just say, obese men and close-ups of their uh, <laughs> their chest. And she says, oh, this is, uh, obs- this is apparently not obscene. And then she'd post a photo of a pregnant mother, completely naked, but with blackout over the tatas. And... But this is obscene. Mm-hmm. So she's been on this big tear of like, okay, man nipples are, mm-mm, but are, are just fine. But ladies, you know, keep those to yourselves. That's obscene. And I'm not just making a joke out of this. This is a long history in this country of what exactly is obscenity, legally speaking. I feel like over the years, it just it evolves. It does. It does. I think we've. We've stretched it. I think we're in a more allowing time in a yeah. way. You can. It, that's the effect of the internet in many ways. Uh, that you can essentially get away with a lot. And for instance, this is an interesting story. 
I don't know if I would put this bumper sticker on my car, <laughs> but it's a major victory for the First Amendment. Well, not really major, more just this guy was having a tough time because of his bumper sticker on his car. We'll put it this way. Certified Florida man. Yes, it's a Florida man story. Florida man Shane Dillon's choice of bumper sticker has produced a unique victory in the fight for free speech. Yes, that's right. The 23-year-old Lake City resident was driving along U.S. Highway 90 last Sunday when a deputy from the Columbia County Sheriff's Office noticed his, if you have small children in the car, turn it off. You can, I'm, I want you to listen, but if you got kids that you don't want to hear this bumper sticker, uh, the end of the story is the bumper sticker was allowed. It was not found obscene. It was found he had the right to put this bumper sticker on his car. But the Columbia County Sheriff's Office noticed his, quote, I eat ass bumper sticker. The sticker, the deputy concluded, violated the state's obscenity law. After Dylan refused to remove the part of the sticker to censor the word ass, citing his First Amendment right to free speech, the deputy arrested him and charged him with obscene writing on vehicles and... This is really the kicker. Resisting an officer without violence. I guess because he refused to censor the ASS and take out like the A or the first S. Or, how would you censor that word? I um, eat as. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I eat snakes. So, essentially, you can analyze this. Uh, there's a Florida statute, uh, what is it, Section 847.0112, however the hell that's read, is the law in question. And it was found that it's unconstitutionally overbroad and thus invalid. The sorts of offenses listed in this legislation have been deemed constitutionally protected ever since Stanley v. Georgia in 1969. Well, wow. It's, isn't it fitting isn't it just serendipitous <laughs> that you know obscenity laws were loosened up uh, in the year 69? Anyway. <laughs> but they did it back then, too. Anyway, the, the simple statement on the bumper sticker does not arouse the same intentional, quote-unquote, sexual responses as, say, pornography. So Dylan's sticker does not fit the Supreme Court's accepted definition of obscene material. Interesting. Mm. Dylan's refusal also to remove a single letter from his bumper sticker does not match the definition of resisting arrest. Sorry, officer. Sorry, deputy. Uh, so that's interesting. Florida man gets away with his bumper sticker that's a bit unseemly, but not necessarily, legally speaking, obscene. You talk to some young people nowadays, and they're all about that. Oh, yeah. And, it's you ridiculous, know, man. honestly, that's just him being honest. Yeah. That's him. It's a little gross, you know, but whatever. It's gross, but yeah, I guess he. I wonder if he has any takers. Oh, you know it. Oh, you better believe. Yeah, it. man. But here's the thing. He's a There's brown a noser. long, weird history of obscenity. Uh, you know, questions over pornography and whatnot. Like, what is porn protected under free speech? And I want to go to a short clip here. Don't do this often, but it put together by a gentleman. Uh, named Lou Perez for We the Internet. I've had Lou on the show before. Great guy. Good comedian, but also um, has some good analysis of the news and a lot of issues like free speech. As a comedian, he's very sensitive 
of free speech protections because comedians say all sorts of crazy crap. So, this is a short clip where Lou is talking to a First Amendment lawyer, and he's asking about obscenity laws, in particular pornography. I believe this is clean. See, this is the weird line I have to walk, folks, to being completely honest, is that I watch all, I'm 30 years old, I'm single, I'm not exactly a teetotaler, I'm not exactly puritanical, um, but, so I watch all sorts of things that many would be considered offensive or obscene, but then I have to walk this fine line, and the line, I hope, is getting finer and finer here on the radio, because I am sensitive to the idea that you can turn on the radio, or you, and anybody can be listening, so I don't yeah. want to scandalize small kids, whatever, you know, if you're an adult, and you don't like it, you know what you can do. Yeah, you know? change it. Yeah. And get over it. I mean, people are so easily offended. But if you don't like something, you don't like something. Fine. But uh, here's Lou Perez talking to a legal scholar uh, about the obscenity laws and how this works. Is porn protected speech? So Miller basically has three requirements that a, a jury in a, in a local community find that the video appeals to what the court calls the purient interest in sex, which means sort of an unhealthy or morbid obsession with sex. Hmm. Number two, that it's patently offensive. And number three, that it has no serious literary or artistic value. And so uh, all three of those things have to be met before expression can be found obscene, sexually obscene. Didn't someone say, I, you know it when you see it? Yes, that was <laughs> Justice Potter Stewart's famous line. And in fact, there was a period of time where none of the justices on the Supreme Court could agree on a definition of what when, you know, porn became too obscene. Mm -hmm. So what they did was when a case came to them, they just had movie day. So <laughs> justices would just go into the Supreme Court movies theater and watch it and basically say, well, whether they thought it was too bad or not. In situations like that, how many seats do you think they leave in between each other? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. That's uh, I'm going to sit all the way in the back. I'm going to be next to Judge Thomas. Or maybe I would. I don't know. Maybe, 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 uh, porn with. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Check out more videos, folks, of Lou Perez on uh, We the Internet. Uh, guy's really great. He's, I think he takes a very libertarian approach, but uh, I love him. Uh, I think the guy has a, a smart take on a lot of topics like that. I mean, that was informative and funny. And I have to say that there's only been one time. I've, I'll be open. I've watched porn plenty. I've been single most of my life. My point is this. I've only watched porn with other people once. It's awkward. Yes, I was invited to a bachelor party. People or dudes? Yeah. Dudes. Yeah, that's weird. I was invited to a bachelor party and I, I didn't know these guys really well, but it's like it was like the a good friend I knew from high school, his brother's friend it was getting married and I was in college at the time over at Auburn. So I go hang out, I'll hang out at y'all's apartment. I hang out there all the time anyway. Uh why not and welcome to the show, Southernwood. Yeah, I heard someone was massaging my wood, and I had yeah, to come in stroke. I told him he could hold on to it unless you requested your wood back. If I give this to you before noon, does it become, like, morning? <laughs> Here, yeah, there you go. Take your wood back. That is a glorious it, paddle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. It is. Thank you, Mr. Husband. Yes, yes, yes. Mr. Husband? Oh, Eric's oh, the one who made oh, it for him. Oh, that's, some, that's his handiwork. What do I get? Don't stroke my wood? 
Yeah, get your hands off my damn wood. <laughs> anyway, I'm invited to this bachelor party. An apartment I've been to plenty of times. It was a comfortable environment. We sit down, thinking, oh, I want to drink some, some brewskis, some beers, and uh, just hang out, chat, do what guys do. And uh, all of a sudden, the bachelor, who's about to get married, is like, I want to watch some porn. So they put pornography on the television screen to say it was the creepiest, weirdest thing ever. It was like, why are we doing this? Yeah, what, what's going to happen next? No, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's not, it doesn't arouse me. It's like, what? It's the it, most awkward situation it ever. It becomes like nine Supreme Court justices sitting yeah. in their private theater going, is this pornography too obscene or, you know, just right? Can you imagine? <laughs> that's, that's just, it's real, this, though. Is this obscene gross, or snuff? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, there's some stuff I've seen where it's like, okay, this is... Wow. Whoa, man. And you know me, folks. I don't have a, a high disgust me mechanism like my temperament. I don't get disgusted very easily. Some of that is disgusting. There's some really messed up crap out a there. A cup and some girls. The the, uh, the internet is a weird place that I think that's partly what is... To blame. Desensitize some you know, people. And porn up. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that it is easily accessible, and I, you know, last Friday got talking about how Arizona has declared porn a public health crisis, but we're not going to really do anything about it other than declare it. Just, just mm -hmm. the stupidest thing you can do. But I don't know if it's truly a public health crisis. Like, everything's a crisis these days. Everything. I, uh, measles, hello. Right. You know, there's like... Four people in the country's got measles. It's an epidemic. It's a crisis. Right. Mm. Yeah, and are there people who are probably addicted to watching pornography? Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, there's no and probably about that. I mean, there are people. Yes. Yeah. 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 But probably there's more than we think. And do those people need help? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But is it like this huge health crisis? The government needs to start passing laws and re resolutions? No. Start passing out rubbers. Right. Well, the way you can handle it, actually, if somebody's acting weird or maybe they're having trouble with their sex life without getting into details, like, do you consume pornography? How often? Now, you probably don't want to talk about it here on the radio. You probably don't want to talk about it in a big room of people or even at a bachelor party where it's on the TV. But, you know, if it's somebody you're close to or friends with and they actually have a problem, the trick is to actually openly talk about it. Yeah. Say something to them. And don't, it's not a shame thing. I don't think, there's very rare occasions where the shame mechanism, in my opinion, actually works. Because I, I think what it does is it gets people to shut up. It makes it worse. And because of the, how pervasive all this stuff is, how easily accessible it is online, people just put it, you know, they closet it. And they continue their behavior, but don't change at and, all. And you're exactly right. When you, when you get shamed about any particular Anything. thing that you're doing, whether it's, it's drinking or smoking or it, what you do is you start hiding it. Right. And then that makes even it even worse. It does. It makes it worse when you start hiding what you're doing because then you yeah. even draw back even more yeah. from society as a whole. But even like your close friends is like, hey, you want to go out? No, I'm, I'm not going out Friday night because I smoke and y'all give me crap about smoking so i'm gonna go home so i can smoke yeah and you end up sitting there all by yourself you know drinking mm -hmm. or smoking or watching porn or whatever it is and you become more reclusive and then that compounds because yes. anything you're going to do like that if it's a true addiction is something that's feeding something inside of you 
and then it's just going to get hungrier and hungrier and, and hungrier the more you feed it the more it wants right and it, it does it, it really is the like you're serving instead of, instead of you saying hey dude what's up yeah why no, are it you really is born like you're serving you know, a demon of day. some sort like you're you're kind yeah. of possessed with mm-hmm. it um it, it becomes a, a complex and I feel for folks like that because, I mean, good luck enjoying life. But, again, my approach is not like, ooh, let's cut it off at the source. It is about personal responsibility. It's about friendship and taking care of others. It is not about the government blowing hot air out and saying this is the crisis and we're going to save you folks from yourselves. I think that's uh, ridiculous. I don't think you should take away somebody's freedom because they've made a wrong choice with their freedom. As long as it's not, you know, directly affecting others, it, everything affects everybody. Um, but I'm talking about directly affects another person or their property. Oh, and, and government is great about that. They manufacture a crisis by just simply stating this yep. is a crisis now, right? And then you, they have to come up with now we're going to tell you how to fix it and what you need to do, and then we're going to uh, we need to pass legislation and make these laws. We're going to make these regulations that you have to do so and so in order to fix said crisis that we just manufactured out of whole cloth. Right. I mean they, they're great at that. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the one thing government is efficient at is manufacturing crises and inventing ways to suck money out of our pockets. Right. In order to pay for the resolution to an unfounded problem that they invented. No, oh, yeah. No, it's a constant thing. Well, be, that's part of that how you keep your... That the smartest thing I ever seen. No, that was yeah. brilliant. I can tell, man. You took, you put your glasses on, you took your glasses off, you waved a finger. No, that was... I'm leaving. That was impressive. <laughs> I'm, yeah. My drop I'm impressed, done. Mr. Wood. I'm impressed. They're going to sign a piece of paper and give it to you. Well, hey, <laughs> rub my paddle. <laughs> well, it, it's job security. Things come out. <laughs> but what they're doing there is job security. Exactly right. Yeah, and there are some legitimate... Because what would we need the government for? Right, and there are some legitimate things for government to do. But most of what government does, especially if... And I'm not knocking a particular legislator here, but there's plenty of things legislators do where... And Clay, you and I have talked about this plenty of times, where it's like, oh, we passed something unpopular like a gas tax. Now let's throw them some red meat value stuff that gets people going and hooked emotionally and... It doesn't actually change much about society, but, you know, I'm happy that my public official is representing me in that way. I've got a great idea, Joey. Hmm. You know what? If I was a legislature, in the legislature... Legislator. I would pass something like, let's ban all abortion. That's as red meat as you can get. Oh, wait. That's what they just did after they passed the gas tax. My bad. Somebody else beat me to it. You know, as we had uh, the senator who is carrying, co-sponsoring, the state senator is co-sponsoring that bill in the Alabama Senate, Clyde Chambliss, on these airwaves earlier. And as he was talking to listeners and talking to Dan Morris, I was, it hit me. That, and I don't want to get deep into this tonight, but usually the arguments over abortion are kind of like the one we had a few weeks ago, where mm-hmm. it's very theoretical, much your basic perspective. But I was like, I've never really learned about the legal history of abortion. Like, it seems like that history always, for folks who talk about it today, starts with Roe v. Wade. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, let's go back for a ways and, like, read the history while people are talking about it on air. And that's what I did. And it's actually pretty fascinating. Um, what happened for the longest time in English common law, 
for I, as long as I know, there was an allowance of abortion before what they called quickening, where you could feel the child in the womb. It was starting to make movements. Then around after, a little bit before the Civil War here in this country, but a little bit after it, uh, it really got going in the 1860s and after. Uh, doctors, this is right when the American Medical Association gets going. They, number one, are trying to standardize medicine. And a lot of the people that would perform abortions were not licensed doctors. So they're trying to clamp down. You could say, for good reasons, we want high-quality care with objective standards. There's also cynical reasons. Those people are much cheaper than us. How dare they charge less than us? We can get them out of the market because they don't have a license. Mm-hmm. So the AMA started looking into the science of it and saying quickening isn't really a scientific distinction. And so there's a big push to pass all sorts of laws um, to make abortion completely illegal. And it gets, um, it's that way until probably the 20, late 20s, 30s, where you started to see cases of uh, the premier case right before World War II, and especially after World War II, where cases, I believe it was a 14-year-old girl in Britain who was raped, and a doctor performed an abortion for her. And the court ruled he, it was illegal for him to do it. And the court ruled he should not be punished. He was acquitted because he had performed something like a disinterested function of his profession, is what they claimed. And that was kind of the ideal case. It's not until the 60s in this country that you start to hear the arguments we now all know pretty well after Roe v. Wade. It's not really until the 60s. Early feminists were against Abortion, Like the mm-hmm. first wave feminists in this country were against it. It's just, I'm saying all this because I'd never taken the time to learn what is the legal history. And I think I am going to take the time to actually read Roe, Roe v. Wade. Because in that, uh, in that ruling, they do, they were really struggling with it. They do, the whole beginning of it is apparently a history of Roman and British common law. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the history of this issue? Um, so... I'll, I'll be looking into that. I'm interested because I think this law will pass. Uh, the governor, Kay Ivey, will sign this bill. And what oh, they're yeah. essentially trying to do is mimic the law in 1970, I believe, that Texas passed. Texas passed a law in 70 that is what triggered Roe v. Wade. And essentially outlawed all abortion except in the case of protecting the life of the mother. Which was a much more stringent condition than other places that had the health of the mother, which could include psychological well-being, right. which is what's upheld in Roe. Um, it's the law is interesting, and I think it. I, I have a responsibility if I'm going to talk about these things as it goes forward. Because let's say Alabama passes the law, I think they will. It'll mm-hmm. probably still take two, three years for it to end up at the Supreme Court, because yeah. other states will do their thing, and those cases will be brought up. I think states will probably join together on either side of the issue, and it'll finally, after a few years, get to the Supreme Court. Yeah, and I think, and, and I am by no means a legal scholar at all, if that surprises... <laughs> at all. At all. You just lost your yeah. intelligence if, credibility. Oh, you try way too you hard. You said that brilliant thing earlier, now the you're like, at all. If, at all. If that surprises anybody. Help. But I think, <laughs> I do think, hold on, what if I just put them like... You gotta chew on them like you're thinking hard. Yeah. But, no, I think the only way that you get any anything done with this bill, and you're talking about the quickening rule, yeah. 
that they used to have. I mean, quickening was, I mean, in medieval or way back then. I mean, that's how it's like, oh, yeah, there's a child in there because we can see it kicking. We can feel it. It's moving. It's alive. It's a living being inside this woman. Well, now our, our technology has gotten to the point you can detect when there's a heartbeat, when there's, I mean, you can see the little fingers. I've seen them four times. You see the little fingers and, and see the little legs and, and you can hear the heartbeat and all that at an early and earlier time. So we know that there's a living being even before they start moving and kicking. The quickening is which they right. used to call it. And science and advanced. I think the only way you can do anything with this bill is to, to, to fashion something in the form of of making it a human's rights bill. Just like, uh, you know, you've got the right for me not to kill you. Sure. You've got to prove that that is a living organism, and that organism, even though it is embedded inside another human being, it has rights, and you have to protect the rights of that unborn well, child. And that's what Terry Collins has explicitly yeah. said, why she brought the bill forward. She wants to challenge Roe. And she wants she, what they're going for is personhood, um, and it's it, it'll be interesting to see what the courts yeah, come up because with. I don't know that anybody is is arguing or demanding that no, you're pregnant, you've got to have that child, you've got to raise that child, and you've got to be no, just don't kill it before it has a chance to be born. Well, Let what's somebody interesting, else take it and care for it. Even the state will take it and care for it. Well, and what's interesting is this bill, as stringent as it is in outlawing abortion, it would still allow for the morning-after pill. It would allow for, I believe, what are called abortifacients. I don't want to get on this again. No, and no, we're not going to. I'm just saying this is what the bill does. It's more of a legal, a, a bill crafted for legal purposes to take it to the Supreme Court. Uh, I would say, folks, though, don't get, get ahead of yourself. If you're on either side of this issue... I know most people are on the side of life that are out there listening here in Montgomery. Uh, this idea that they're pro-life, that don't get ahead of yourself whatever side of the issue you're on or whatever your opinion is. Uh, I think it, looking just at the history of the law today, it's not a slam dunk either way. No, it's not. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the courts do and what other states bring to bear on the topic um, but, I mean, it's a, it's a tough issue, um, and it's one that people should be free to talk about. And here's the thing. This is why our country is a federation of states. I mean, this is what it's all about. I mean, the federal courts can rule on the basic human rights. The states can challenge those things. The states can do what they want. I mean, it's a lot easier to discuss with, say, something like the legalization of cannabis, that has, I think, been a great trend around the country, whether for recreation or medical. And, hey, Alabama's coming a little bit ahead into the 21st mm-hmm. century. The Senate just passed a medical cannabis bill uh, today, which is... Like 20 years too late, I, I but know. at least... <laughs> but it's something. We're finally yeah, making a step. It's something. Um, so I appreciate that. But here, Mike has been hanging out on line one for way too long, and Mike has actually been texting me over over the last few months here. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, my man. Um, I was going to say something about porn, but you got to start talking about <laughs> abortion. I wanted to say something about that. And about that is about that movie, you know, you don't put baby in the, or don't put baby in the corner. Nobody puts her in the corner. You talking about Dirty Dancing? Dirty Dancing, yes. Um, abortion <laughs> was pretty cool. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm an 80s baby, so, um, 
you know, abortion seemed cool during then, but uh, I, mm. I got a, I got a, I got a thing on that. But I want to talk about the porn. Okay. Um, porn is everywhere. Um, you could watch your kids. You think you got an angel? They watch porn. And I want to say this about women. Women watch porn. <laughs> I'm gonna just put it out there. My girl has friends that come over, and half of them might be watching porn on their phone. I'm serious. And it goes across races. It goes across ages. It's true. So I don't want the, the gentlemen to be so naive because we're so, you know, we're men and all this other stuff. But um, women watch porn. So guys, just know that. I'm putting that out there. I, I, I'm giving it away, women. I'm sorry. But women are just as, uh, they're just, are, um, I mean, they, they want it like we want it. Well, I mean, they're... Mike, to back you up, I don't want to be too obscene. I want to put this delicately, but the market responds. The stuff that's out there today isn't just, I mean, there's plenty of the male gaze, the guy's perspective, but the market responds to what you're describing, Mike. There's stuff catered to women. There's stuff Mm -hmm. catered to all sorts of different types of people. Um, And that's what the internet's done. And that's, you know, when people are free to make their own choices, we might not always agree with those choices, but if they enjoy it, they'll probably do it. Um, and maybe they'll enjoy it for a little while and then realize, oh, what was I thinking? Why did I ever do that? And, and I think that's a process we should allow uh, for people to come to their own conclusions. And I agree. Women do watch it. It's not just a male thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, because, you know, a lot of those guys, we think, you know, we're just, you know, like women, they're, um, it's not an equal white, equal right, equal pay kind of thing. It's like... Um, Women are taking care of children. They're going to work. They're paying the bills. You know, um, all that good stuff. stuff. And yeah, <laughs> hey, the women are doing it now. I'm just putting it out there, and they feel emboldened to be like a man. I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. I so I, so I, I understand exactly what yeah. you're saying. Oh yeah, yeah. And hey, you're married. You're married, so I know you know what you're saying because um, you <laughs> it's like you pick your battles. You know. Happy wife, happy life. It, it, that's what it is. You know, it's like I have, I go, me and my wife, we had, my, she's not my wife yet. I call her my wife because we've been together so long. But we oh. bump heads all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes you have to let it go. <laughs> and it's, it's like politics, you know. And I think, um, and like I said, I'm not going to talk about the abortion thing because I don't want to get too heavy. Maybe I'll say that for another day. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm against abortion. You know, I got I got six kids. You right. know, mm-hmm. so right. how, how 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 are the babies doing? You yeah. got you got some like beautiful. two months old, right? One month. They're not months? even two months old. They just really? turned uh, one month on the third. Yeah. Twins, yeah. right? Wow. That's fantastic. Yes, sir. They, we about to head to Mississippi, and then I'm gonna head to Mobile so I can see my mother. Ooh, um, that's gonna be a fun ride. It is. Uh, <laughs> check this out. Uh, we went to this arts and craft place. Um, and uh, the twins, uh, they got to put the booty on the on like the paint and made two peaches. And it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, for a Mother's Day card, you know. Actually, it's, it's wow, exactly like that's a, a I'm gonna do that. Man. I'm gonna do that for my mom. Oh, that's hey, I will tell you what the place is. I can't remember the place. It's on the east side of town. Uh, if somebody can call in and tell you what it is. Man, those people were wonderful, and they they gave everything to us free. So oh, my mother, stepmother, and, I, and 
you know, mother-in-law, everybody can have something nice to hang up with footprints and booty prints and, <laughs> you know, handprints with all the kids. Yeah. Uh, appreciate the call, Mike, and thank you, man. All right. You guys have a good one, man. You too. That's a, I've seen the handprint, the hand, feet print things, the footprint things, but, like, oh, that's hilarious. I thought Little buying, baby bottom. I thought buying my mom a bottle of vodka uh, for Mother's Day would be great, but just like that and, like, a card of my, like, peach printed booty I'm, on I'm, a card. I'm thinking moth made out <laughs> walls. Your butt print. <laughs> as, long as, I, as long as there's no... Not at this point. Maybe when you were a baby. That'd be cute. Not well, now. As long it's as there's like, no hair on it. What's wrong with you now if you did that today? Here, we got to hit this quick break. It's only about, I believe, two minutes long. So we'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Clark. Oh, welcome back, folks. Now we're gonna shift gears to my favorite story Yay. of the week. By far. No, it's not the mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as Kane. Brother of the Undertaker. I think I know what it is. No, that's a good story though, Kane. I think it was for the some publicity stunt, uh, Glenn Jacobs put somebody through a table at like a fundraiser or something. He like donned the cane mask and choke slammed some guy through a table. Sweet. I think for charity. That's good stuff. That's fun as hell. Um, but no, my favorite story, let's see how I, I can present this. Uh, you know, for all the advanced technologies we have, for all these complicated systems we have, and checks and balances and redundancies to make sure that things work well, Human error is always a factor. <laughs> always. Say it ain't so, Joey. So think about, like, uh, if you know a little bit about geopolitics, folks, and I just know a little bit. I'm not some expert. India and Pakistan. Long-running rivalry. They're both nuclear powers. I mean, religious and political divisions that run very deep. And very young societies, I believe. So, I mean, more prone to rash decision-making. But I can say that as a young man. I mean, you should watch me play some Sid Meier Civilization. Somebody pisses me off and I got the tech, I'm nuking their ass. <laughs> I should not have power. I've told you all this before. That's just one of the many reasons. Oh, um, that said, India has very much what the United States has is the triad approach to nuclear deterrence. They have air, sea, land delivery systems and one of the best delivery systems at sea is a nuclear submarine yeah mm -hmm. and so india has one of these things um it is the a 2.9 billion dollar these submarines aren't exactly uh they're not simple machines there's if a loss of propulsion unexpected flooding or trouble with reactors or weapons can doom a sub 
and the crew to a watery grave. So you're saying they've got a leather seats with warmers in them. Oh, it's, yeah, it's like the Eddie this Bauer. This is a really nice. You remember the Ford Eddie Bauer yeah. editions? Yeah, this is like this is like a King Ranch submarine, baby. Biff okay. called it. Yeah, Biff she, it, called no, it and this okay. is how nice it was. This one submarine, it's called the doors. Airy Hunt or something like that, cost $2.9 billion. It's out of commission, though. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Something what happened? went wrong. A, a publication called The Hindu reported that the Ariant had been out of commission since suffering, quote-unquote, major damage some 10 months ago due to what a Navy source characterized as human error. Sorry. To wit, what happened is water flooded the sub's propulsion compartment after somebody in the submarine crew, before they submerged, failed to shut one of the hatches. <laughs> <laughs> Screen door on a submarine. Wow. <laughs> Dude, did his mother never tell him, shut the door. Were you born in a barn? We can't yeah. coo. <laughs> so there goes $3 billion like down the drain into the ocean. Because you just spent all this for this high-tech nuclear submarine. And they, they go on. They said, water rushed in as a hatch on the rear side was left open by mistake while the sub was at harbor. This is in February 2017, shortly after the submarine was Seth, I thought you shut the door. Huh? I thought you shut the door. I told you to shut the door. I told Joey to <laughs> shut the door. You didn't shut the door, Joey. And since then, the sub has been undergoing repairs and cleanup. Besides other repair work, many pipes had to be cut open and replaced. Yeah, you think with ocean water in there? Replace those seats, too. Okay, it's hard to articulate how major a foul-up this is. Um, But a guy, popular mechanic, said it. Indian authorities ordered the pipe replacement because they likely felt the pipes exposed to corrosive seawater couldn't be trusted again. Particularly pipes that carry pressurized water coolant to and from the ship's 83 megawatt nuclear reactor. Wow. For context, a submarine assigned to Britain's Royal Navy narrowly avoided a complete reactor meltdown in 2012 after the power source for its coolant system failed. The incident is also quite an embarrassment because the Indian Armed Forces rely on this sub as, like I said earlier, as part of their triad. Uh, it just and the fact that there's this uneasy relationship with Pakistan that also has nukes. My God, like how how is how? Biff called it, man. Back to the future. My goodness, it's just amazing that you spend three billion dollars for this complex machine, and you just hire anybody, and, and some dude <laughs> leaves the, the door. door. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like they miscalculated the delta T on the return water temperature to the reactor by point seven three five. Dude left the door open. I mean. Come on, man. And they work him hard. He had to take a nap. You had one job. No, but here's the thing. I want to shift back to obscenity. And people think I'm the pervert here. Yeah, I played the part a little bit. Honestly, I'm pretty square, folks. You Marfin know me. Nugan. You know me, Seth. Yeah, I'm actually pretty... It's an act. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily an act. It's just I like talking about this stuff, but I'm not out there doing a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm I pretty much keep to myself. I'm a homebody. And, you know, so this submarine thing I shared on the Book of Faces earlier in the week got 13 reactions. Oh. Now, I'm not usually one to, like, 
I don't really care at this point about how many people reacted to my post. It's just I'm giving you an average here to make a point. And that got 13 reactions. I, I shared the episode I did with Stephen Miller earlier yeah. this week. Great and I got episode. Six reactions. What about all the cuss words? Uh, I, I shared something about uh, Trump raising tariffs on China. I had four reactions. Um, the cuss words things, the alternative cuss words thing, uh, that is 15 reactions. Wow. So that's pretty good. Farfin Nugent. And then sometimes I'll share just, I'll like post something. Like I posted the other week that how dare the Russians or any other foreign agent misinform and sow discord amongst the American people. No foreigner should be allowed to do that. Only American patriots are allowed to disinform and sow discord amongst the American people. That got something like 50, 60 reactions. This is why I'm talking about how many reactions my Facebook post got. Earlier this week, I cooked a glorious <laughs> ribeye steak. It looks so good right when I set it down on the pan. You get that nice... Mm-hmm. This steak was a lot of steak. One just sizzle, baby. It was. It looked oh, good. Inch That's some nice inch and a half of love. It was point eight pounds. Oh. It was a good thousand plus calorie steak. Just as just the meat, and so I took. A, I snapped a picture of it, and the next day, I posted this photo of this steak. Close up shot. Beautiful marbling. I haven't even cooked the other side, so the meat's still red with that white fat all over it. And I captioned this picture with this simple message. Here's a picture of my meat. (laughs) (laughs) This post... 305. This post has 107 reactions. I'll get 13 for some deep political thing. No, if it's like really philosophical, like one or two people might react to it. But if I I post a picture of a steak and say, here's a picture of my meat, everybody loves it. Well, people is dude. And there are over 30 comments and like, oh, my, like who's the, who's the, actually the obscene one here? Your I'm friends well. are pervs. People <laughs> love your meat, Joey. You and know, I love like, it. All your friends are women. No, they're not. Uh, Y'all are my friends. I know, but I'm talking about the, the fake ones on the, the book of faces. <laughs> no, they're, no they're, I, they're not all women. <laughs> no, a lot of them are. What are you talking about? No, you're a sexy beast. What are you talking about? He's a sex symbol. Man, yeah, like yeah, prince. Voice. Yeah, but I keep it to myself. Yes, you do. I Well, thank you. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. One nine hundred loves a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just funny what people react to. Yeah, uh, and what gets a rise out of people. You can write like the most passionate, involved, like think piece on something, You're right. and nobody pays attention to it. It's like all oh, over a five hundred words. I ain't reading that. Mm-hmm. I got things to do. A piece of meat or a baby picking their nose. Boom. Right. <laughs> people love that stuff. They'll eat it up. And, you know, I don't post a lot of provocative political stuff that goes one way or another. I'm not, I don't, I try not to post clickbait. I try to help people understand situations going on in the world. And then occasionally I'm in a silly mood. So here's a picture of my meat. Or here are the hardworking hands of a radio host. That one also got a lot of reactions. It's just a picture of my hands with calluses on my hands because I've been working out some. You fell down the concrete. And, of course, everybody's making, like, porn jokes. And, like, what, are you, what, what were you doing with your hands, man? It's like, you get your mind out of the gutters, you dopes. I love you guys. I love you guys. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird time. But, I mean, the on the tariff thing, I think it's unfortunate because uh, I'm just not one to think that raising taxes to make things fair works very well. I see why he's doing it. I'm not, like, naive or ignorant of the, the logic that Trump and the Trump administration is trying to put forth. We're trying to get China. Like, I, we heard people today... Uh, defending the president and this tactic saying this will hurt China more than it hurts the U.S. We're trying to inflict a little pain here yeah. in order to get them to And negotiate. they will bend. Yeah. I and mean, the same thing happened uh, when he when he did it initially, and everybody was like, oh, my God, all the farmers are going to go, they're, they're going to die. They're like vaporizing in the Midwest because they can't sell the soybeans. Right. China's not going to buy their soybeans. Like, what? Three weeks later, China's like, uh, yeah, uh, we're out of soy sauce over here. We're going to buy you soybeans. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. I mean, I put it a little bit simple, but, I mean, that's basically what happened. And, I mean, the same, what are they going to do? Just pile their country up with Nike shoes? No. they got to get rid of them. And they are going to have to come to the table. But let's be, let's be clear. And get more realistic. But let's be clear here. If you're saying the tariffs are necessary as a negotiating tactic to put a little pain and pressure on the Chinese government to relent, mm-hmm. fine. It may or may not work out. Hopefully it will work out. But if you're saying tariffs are just a good thing, whether or not you're negotiating with China, no, I think you're very mistaken. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you on that, but I think it's also deeper than that as well, Joey, because a lot of Chinese stuff comes from slave labor that's illegally imported out of North Korea. So this is not only just putting pressure on China, it's also on the backside without... It, you know, we talked about how Korea has got that deal where you have to save face. You can't... Kim Jong-un, I mean, he cannot lose face. And instead of attacking or doing something specifically to them, hmm. you hurt them on the second hand by saying, all right, yeah. you, you deal with, with Korea over there so we don't have to shame them. It does seem like things that have been quietly heating up around the world, if we're talking geopolitics. Mm-hmm. Like, the U.S. has moved, as far as we know, in you know public knowledge, the U.S. has moved this carrier group to the Persian Gulf because of th- unknown, unnamed threats that the American intelligence has received that Iran might do something. North Korea has started launching these short-range ballistic missiles. They're not the intercontinental, not the ICBMs, but it is sort of a provocative action uh, by the North Korean regime and Kim Jong-un. Um, it, China is now kind of... They, what they did, essentially, why Trump has done this tariff move, is they sort of bucked uh, the working agreement that had been put together over months of negotiating between the Americans and the Chinese, and China all of a sudden just sort of put red ink all over it overnight and handed it back to their American counterparts, and they're like, what the hell is this? Uh, It almost, it's the one flaw in our system is that I think a lot of these nations understand, oh, you got an election. You got to win. And so they're going to bide their time and even use some of their own moves to put pressure on our current president because he does have to get reelected. It should be interesting where this goes. Um, not a terrible week in politics. Yeah, there's all the nonsense over the Mueller report and Comey and investigating the investigators. At this point, I'm just fatigued on it. I'm just so fatigued on it. It's becoming such 
palace intrigue in a way, such bureaucratic intrigue that I, yeah, you know, I, I just give me the conclusion already. Yeah, go ahead and spoil it. I, I like that. <clears throat> I think they really have the Democrats and the Republicans have been guilty of this in the past, uh, like with Bill Clinton. I think the Democrats have really jumped the shark on this, and and the common people are starting to say, enough with Russia already. I mean, really, nothing happened. They bought some Facebook ads. Right. Okay, whatever. So what? No, you're just downplaying the threat, Southern Wood. But here we're out of time. Again? We covered a lot of things. Obscenity, and whether it's bumper stickers or pornography, and the history of abortion laws in the country, and submarines, $3 billion submarines sinking because somebody left a door open, and my meat. And my wood didn't paddle. And on that note, I bid you a good night. Yeah.